Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. This is part of the wall of content which I'm putting out at the moment purely because I've been doing loads of interviews and want to get everything out as soon as possible. This one is a return with our boy at Modern T-Man Texas Slim and we are uncovering what is going on with Big Ag and the industrial food complex. Be prepared to get triggered by the truths that you are about to learn as he carries on his quest to uncover this. We will follow this series and we'll have him back on next month. Please make sure you're watching his tweets because he's dropping some fire and he's got a great newsletter and he's on a mission as you will hear in this episode. Now, if you want to get across to Miami next year, 6th to the 9th of April, make sure you get your tickets. Use code BITTEN at checkout to get yourself a 10% discount. All tickets are fully transferable, so you will be able to sell them on closer to the time, I am sure, for a lot more than you buy them for. And don't forget, they are fully refundable if you're unable to travel due to COVID restrictions. You've got nothing to lose, guys. Get over there and book your tickets. Big thanks to the other show supporters. That is at Coin Corner now, since CoinFloor sold their exchange side of the business. So it's at coincorner.com. Use code BITTEN. Across Europe, it's Relay, R-E-L-A-I dot C-H. Forward slash BITTEN is going to save you on commission. And across the pond, our good friends at swanbitcoin.com forward slash BITTEN will get you a free 10 bucks to start your stacking. But please, I know I say this every show, and I really mean it. If you've not got yourself a hardware wallet, now is the time. In fact, weeks ago was the time. But if you didn't do that, get it now. Get across to shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten. That will get you a 5% discount on anything in your cart. So if you don't just buy the wallet and you want some of the steel plates and the, uh, the bags and the card backups, get over there and use that code. It will get you a 5% discount. But if you don't have a wallet, guys, start, it is time to up your game. Enjoy this rip with Texas Slim. All right, we're back with our boy Slim, modern team man. Lauren, please tell the listeners what you just watched him do. I just watched him eat raw eggs. Well, he didn't even eat. He just yeah, chugged just them. chugged them down. <laughs> yeah, just like a, a nice uh, glass of wine, right, Lauren? No! I prefer a glass of wine than that. Well, you know, that's that's okay. You know, both are good if you're doing oh. right. Correct. Why do you think he's chugging down raw eggs in, in the morning? What, because what, he what? can't be bothered to make them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see that for now, Lauren. I'm, I'm, I have a busy schedule, so that, that must be the reason. Yeah. Well, do you actually want to know? Yes. Okay. Actually, uh, raw eggs, basically, you're getting from the source of the nutrition. Uh, you know, we've uh, we've eaten eggs for thousands of years. It is the source of, it comes from the mother hen. 
And, you know, the fresher the egg, the fresher the nutrition, the stronger the nutrition is. It's the closer that we can be farm to table with all of our nutrition is the healthier we're going to be, the clearer we're going to think, the happier you're going to be, the more joy you're going to have in life, uh, the more power you're going to feel each day that you uh, wake up and go try to learn more. Okay, that's cool, but I still won't have that. That's fine. I'm not going to force you to, that's for sure. I do yeah. it because I, I'm a pretty active guy. I, uh, you know, I do a lot of uh, physical activity, so it gives me a lot of uh, power. It gives me, uh, you know, it gives me the energy and the protein that I need. Um, mm. My energy I get from raw protein, and that's a good form of raw protein. So that's uh, something that I've always been doing ever since I was a kid. Yeah, you know, the, the industrial food complex is not going to want you to know that because eggs can be very affordable. There's no preparation time. You cut out all the middle people whenever you're bringing like fresh eggs into your life, just like you're bringing fresh milk into your life, how they destroyed the whole dairy industry. So, you know, the, the closer you can be farm to table from your chicken to your cow to whatever it is, you are going to be happier in life and you're going to be more powerful. Before we get into this, because I do want to go down this rabbit hole very, very deeply, can we just check sure. that your your mic has picked up your actual mic, your professional mic? Just oh, how's that? Yeah, I think that's better. Right. Okay. okay. Did you have a um, um a question? Yeah. So my question is, what bad food is okay to eat? What bad food is okay to eat? That this like is biscuits like, or like, like, yeah. like stuff like that. Did you see where she's coming from? Like the angle of a kid, yeah. like, you know, she, she has sure. a worry about, or her parents certainly have a worry about like the dog shit mm -hmm. the kids are eating. Did you hear that word? Those, those yeah, are daddy's yeah, words. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 You always say that. <laughs> I'm like, you know, the one thing that it's, it's really hard and I don't want people to get misconstrued that, you know, I'm some health nut and, and I just had no, no bad uh, <laughs> commodity food in me. We all do. The one thing, Lauren, I looked, I like to look at if I really like it and it's kind of bad for me, but it tastes really good. It's moderation. You know, I like to say, hey, I'm really going to enjoy this on, uh, you know, with my son, uh, when he was growing up, we had fun Fridays. And so, <laughs> you know, we would have ice cream for breakfast. And so it was, it was fun Friday. So that, that's by far the favorite is, you know, is ice cream. And uh, if you look at ice cream, it's actually just as good or bad than cereal. <laughs> it, it depends on the ice cream, of course, how fresh it is and what type of ice cream you're eating. But that's where people don't understand food and nutrition. It's like if, you do, if you're going to do something, you know, that's bad for you, you can do it in moderation and you're going to be okay. It's making it a habit. It's creating an addiction out of that taste because the, you value that taste more than you value your nutrition. And that's where we get, in, we, we get in a lot of trouble with that. And they know that as far as designing these foods, they know that we're going to value taste over nutrition. So, you know, go, go deep. What, let me ask you, I'm going to ask you in return. What is your favorite bad food? What's your habit? it's like kind of like a tradition kind of after you get home from school at like 4.30 or something like that you get out like a like goutte so we, they call it that here goutte and it was like um like so you have like sometimes i like have pancakes with nutella or like like have bread with like jam or something like that or like biscuits or just like little 
sugary cakes. That is a 100% um, habit. It's it, it, yeah. it's almost been tricked into the culture. Uh, but yeah, like kids, yeah. like four o'clock, kids, four, four thirty, kids are programmed to reach for a sugary snack. Exactly. And, you know, we, we touched on that last time. It's like kids don't need snacks. They really don't. And so they know that if they, you know, when we grow up, people giving us candy, you know, when we walk into a store, here's candy, you go get your hair cut. That's what happened in Texas. You get candy. Mm-hmm. So they know this. They know it on a level now that because of the production models they have that, of course, they're going to turn four o'clock into a consumption habit. How are they going to do that? Well, they're going to do it through bad sugar because sugar is the most addictive substance on the planet. We know that now. And, they, you know, especially the refined type and the high fructose types. So they definitely create those bad habits. What I like to do is put value into my bad habits and say, I know this is going to be bad for me, but I'm going to make a fun Friday out of it. And, you know, I'm not going to have any problems doing that. And that way I look forward to it. And it's something that I can, have, I can be proud of because you, you show restraint, you show discipline. All these other habits that you're going to need to develop, Lauren, you know, as far as your lifestyle, you, you're, you, it's okay to enjoy some stuff. But then, you know, don't make it every day of the week, every four o'clock. That's not yeah. And you can also be smarter with that bad habit, right? I mean, just reaching just for like a cookie for an and a, l- l- yeah. l- look, at, look at what that cookie is in. First of all, it's in cardboard, then it's in cellophane, then it's in the, uh, the little plastic holder. All of that costs more than the actual food that you're eating. And then you just become, you just become a recycling bin of something that has no value to it. And that was the number one goal. So let's not be a bad recycling bin. But if you were like, uh, thinking, all right, I'll cut those out for the whole week and one day a week, I'm going to go and treat myself to like a freshly baked, still slightly warm croissant from the, you know, artisanal bakery, then we're talking different. We're in different fields of play. A freshly baked cookie, even from like an artisanal bakery is still going to be way better than like anything you get in a box, anything you get, anything that comes in cellophane. But what if I have like an apple one day, a cookie one day, an apple one day, a cookie one day, an apple one day, a cookie one day. Variety and moderation on all of that is is a, is a fantastic lifestyle. That way you're not becoming dependent. And what you're doing is you're being diverse with your diet. And your, your body loves a diverse type of delivery of nutrients. It doesn't like the same thing over and over again. Unless it's something like what you just called me to, which was a very raw form of protein. Mm. But if it's going to be something that has got some stuff in it that's not good for you, then, you know, one day you're going to do this, one day you're going to do that. That's a good way to go into it. That's a good discipline to start establishing right now, because as you get older, you're going to respect yourself even more for following that discipline. And that makes you even more powerful as an adult. And that's what we, we need to understand. And, um, you know, that's something that... I think all of us need to do. And if you start now, you're going to start being, um, you know, you're going to lead people in doing that that way and create a new discipline and all of your friends kind of respect yeah. you for doing. Yeah. 
some days we don't have apples, so I don't know how that would go. <laughs> well, I just have like a vegetable. <laughs> what you know, perhaps um, what else? You know, think around <gasps> it. Carrot sticks, cucumber sticks, olives. Uh, the, there's a bunch of different like salami counts. Salami. Wait, well, let, let's ask Texas it... Slim. Salami is awesome. It's got a lot of sodium in it, which is fine, and you need sodium. So, you know, salami is excellent. I, I eat it all the time when I can, especially during the holidays. You know, it's winter food for me, for sure. And we are so lucky that we are surrounded by cured meat that uh, you, you, we don't have to buy. You have something market. that we don't have in Texas. It's hard to find the type of cured meat that you guys have in Europe, especially in France, of course. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm, I'm a little envious of that because that's a, it's a wonderful process. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome to see them do that, too. So, you know, it's very artist-like, very artisan, like you said. Yeah, pretty, for sure. There's a good. there's a French Bitcoin maxi. Uh, big shout out to Gigi if you're listening. Yeah, uh, actually, Gigi. Yeah, Gigi. Uh, no, not their Gigi's. There, there's another one. Uh, a French guy, uh, Gigi oh, okay. uh, Salamour, and uh, he. Um, I've I, I just recently met him face to face, actually in real life in in Biarritz, but uh, we had chatted before on Zoom, and he told me about uh, how he had learnt to cure meat. In fact, he'd left France and gone to London to learn, you know, did it back to front, but whatever. And all the French Bitcoin maxis are like, right, you got to show us how to do that. Like, right. This is such a huge movement. And that's, no that's fantastic. Yes. And that's something that it's so exciting to me to watch this because you do, you get, you're seeing it through Bitcoin Twitter mm -hmm. and you're seeing these guys is like, wow, <laughs> this guy's got some skill. Let's bring that out. Let's get that awareness. Let's talk, let's start talking about it. Yeah, and that's why I find Bitcoin Twitter so valuable. Do you have any further questions? Uh, yes. Okay, she's on fire tonight. What yes. about chips? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go there. Hang on a me. second. Let we've got to clarify. We yeah. have to clarify here. Are you talking chips, <laughs> yeah, like, French like fries, like or English a, fish and like chips? A, or? No, but like like when you get in like um. Like Lay's, Packet. yeah, like, okay. Uh, so so chips. a chips as Americans would know chips. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're asking the wrong guy there, Lauren. <laughs> I want to say a hard no on that one. <laughs> hard no, unless uh, it's uh, unless Italian, unless you know? unless all you have to do is go dig some potatoes up out of the garden, get the speed peeler, very very thinly slice go. the potato. I've got some frozen beef fat downstairs. We will render out the fat and you make your own chips. Well, why not we do that then? Well, why not you go dig potatoes then? Okay, then how much would that cost then? Oh, well, you... <laughs> <laughs> you Wait, be... that is on the uh, list! It, it is actually on the list of chores to dig potatoes. Up to you. One you thing go. I will say about chips, Lauren, I spent a month in Amsterdam and I went and studied the uh, Van Gogh Museum. I was there like every day. They they got suspect of me because I was there every day and I was studying Van Gogh. I love. I, I fell in love with palm frites at the time. So that yeah. was something that I really, really enjoyed over in Europe. But American potato chips, I think are horrible. I don't care <laughs> who you are or what you think about them. I think they're disgusting. And I say that because of what 
how big they've gotten and what they've what they use in them today and even the the fresh ones you know they have all these types of different spins to the marketing plans they're still not any good for you no they're no good and they they design those bags have you ever wondered why all potato chips come in those special kind of tin foily bags no because they make that noise when you open them so you hear first yep and then your taste buds go and then you want that chip it's an attack on all of your senses they know exactly what they're doing they're tricking you into eating their product and also they put like a half of chips in there when there's like a exactly. huge packet. It's 50% air. Shrinkflation is, is running rampant. It's getting worse and worse. And I get like I think, really you... mad mm-hmm. when I only see like, but there's supposedly that much. Where's all that? Like, did like someone just like open the bag already, like eat alone and then like just close it again? Mm-hmm. Like, Do you feel che- cheated? Yes. So you We should. made that much money for this. Okay, now let's look at let's look at uh, farm to table food. You know how many potatoes you're going to get out there in the garden, right? Uh, you know how it's going to be cooked. What's that? I don't know. Uh, like, yeah. So no, what, what what he's saying is, if you go up and dig them, you know how many you've got in your basket. Oh uh, yeah. Right? yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yep. So you know how many come back to the kitchen. Yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. That's going to be a lot cheaper than buying a you know here we call them convenience stores and they're they've become the new supermarkets in america convenience stores are the supermarkets and the the convenience stores are getting bigger and bigger and 50 percent of that is potato chips and snacks that we don't need that are totally useless for human existence it's as simple as that again that the the wrapping more thought effort marketing money uh resources has gone into the wrapping than the actual food that you find inside. Wait, but Daya, I just got another thing in mind. Yeah. This is about duty, though. Okay. Okay, so what about a homemade cook, like homemade cookies or like homemade cookies or like homemade cake or? Sure. Well, it depends on the in the the ingredients that you choose to put into those homemade cookies. How fresh yeah. is it? How fresh? You know, how processed is that flour? How processed is that sugar? You can make two separate types of cookies. One can be extraordinarily bad for you and one can be okay. And something that you could, if nobody told you, you wouldn't even know that it was full of nutrition. All of us as kids shy away from nutrition when somebody says nutrition. Do you know why we shy away from that? Because we're made to believe that nutrition doesn't taste good. That's a lie. That's false. And so as we grow older, if we think the nutrition doesn't taste good, well, I'm going to eat what's bad for me because I like it. It tastes good. That's done on purpose. That's part of the, that your dad was just talking about. Mm. The type of effort that they put into getting you to consume that food, it, the nutrition on the scale of one to 10 is, is the last thing we're thinking about. Mm. So and I'm, I might trigger a few parents here, like, um, well, not trigger them, but hold a mirror up to them because I've done it to myself. Yeah. Guilty as charged for sitting at the dinner table and saying to one of my kids, there's no dessert unless you eat your greens or there's no dessert yeah. unless you eat it all up. I mean, sure. like, guilty as charged for coercion, mm-hmm. number one, trying to coerce my kids into eating 
greens or something and I'm psychologically, traumatically, you know, affecting them right there at that point at the dinner table, which should be an enjoyable um, kind of family time, sit around, have conversation, whatever. Um, and then the reward is toxic poison shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, it's so yeah. bad. And I'm sure everybody listening to this is uh, searching their soul and like, yes, I've done that. Well, I still do that. That's I'll what we're going to have tomorrow. to do. Yeah. And that's what we're going to have to do, Daniel. We're going to have to get intentional about this. This is once, you know, I brought it up. I brought it up last time. This isn't about judgment right now. This, this is about survival in a way that we didn't see coming, to tell you the truth. And you can say it's overreacting, but it's not. It, it really is. We've got the numbers. And it's okay, parents. We all do it. I'm guilty. I'm the worst one on the bunch. Blame me. <laughs> you know, come after me and say I'm a hypocrite. Go ahead. Get it out of your system. But what? at the end of the day, like you said, we're going to have to look in the mirror. We're going to have to have that accountability and say, okay, let's frame this different. Let's, let's look at this different. Let's be intentional in a, in a different way. Because you were intentional, what you were saying, I, my intention was trying to get them to eat the greens. Well, let's be intentional about educating a little bit up front and mastering our vocabularies in a way that we can do that. That's the type of parenting that we need to start adopting. Food intelligence is going to be that type of adoption that we need to move forward with. That is being impeccable with your words in a different frame of mind than what we're used to using. We're in some, we're, we're all a work in progress. We're all going to have to tackle this together and not blame each other. You know, I'm blaming the big global corporations because they're trying to kill us. And they know they're trying to kill us in a way that we, it's hard for us to accept. I got the numbers. We got the numbers. We've got everybody, you know, that we need from doctors to heart surgeons to scientists. People are coming out of the woodwork and saying, yeah, this is what's going on. So. Yeah. All right. Are you good to go? Do you, do you want to go now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You want to go speak? Yeah. To, I think hey, Lauren, I'm going to give you something to think about, hey, Lauren. Wait, wait, wait a sec. The earphone fell out. Yeah. Okay. Go for it. Yeah. I'm going to give you something to think about, Lauren. It's getting to be close to Christmas soon. Yeah. So, me and your father be becoming friends here. So, I have to send you guys something from Texas. So, the next time that we get online together, me and your father, you're going to have to tell me what you want from Texas. And if you need some ideas, just let me know. Okay. I'm going to search for my lotto. What's the thing in Texas? What's the thing in yeah. Texas? All yeah, right. Like, what's a, what's a good thing in Texas? Freedom. Can you send a little bag of freedom? That'd be nice. <laughs> Daddy, <laughs> no one wants freedom. that. No, no one wants that. No, you're right. It, seemingly, yeah. seemingly not, Lauren. <laughs> I'll send you a pair of cowboy boots. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Cowboy <laughs> boots are cool. If yeah, if you get like uh, good quality cowboy <gasps> boots. Pussy boots. Be... Oh my gosh. Yeah. Then you'd look like pussy boots. Yeah. Right, okay. I just need to like no. have like my Bitcoin like hat on. Just be like like a little like like knife and yeah. my boots on just be like yeah we'll do a we'll do a pair of uh cowgirl boots and um you'll be the only one in france that has anyone like these from texas <laughs> yeah all right cool nice. well, yeah uh bye thank you good to see you lauren be good okay yeah keep learning and i'll try i'll try and have an apple <laughs> you, you try and have an apple, apple. yes try. well yeah I'll try and influence that as best as I can. There you um, go. <clears throat> um, 
Good round. Good round. Yeah, exactly. Let, let, let's hope so. Uh, I just want to check the mic again. Can you just tap your mic? Make sure we still got. Yeah, it's not picking that one up. It's not. It's not. No. Hold on a second. It'll be fine what we've recorded so far. I just want to make, I know you've got the, the pro mic sitting there and I've fallen foul to this many times. Right, here's something now. Okay. Yeah, that's better. That's better audio. Did no, we fix it? Yeah, we fixed it. So It's uh, probably on my end. Um, I didn't reboot before. Sometimes this thing doesn't reboot correctly, so it doesn't no pick problem. up. No problem. We, we've got all that. We've we've got it all on record, so it doesn't matter. Um, okay. The, the the audio is is better now, though. Uh, so, right, a few threads to pull on there. First of all, again, I don't want anybody the same as you. You know, reading your work, I pick mm -hmm. up on the vibe that you're you're putting out there. This isn't pointing fingers. No. And I will be. I'll sit here and I'll put my hands up and say I'm guilty of that. You know, mm -hmm. like earlier, I, you know, I, I'm guilty of the kids having too many snacks and I'm guilty of, um, you know, having the potato chips in the cupboard. If they weren't in the cupboard, they couldn't eat them. Uh, you know, and, you know, I'm guilty of being a hypocrite as well. Here I am sitting with a beer. This is my right. dependence. This is my habit. You know, yeah. I, I it gets to anywhere between 5 to 7 p.m. of an evening and I start to cook uh, and I like to have a beer mm -hmm. and I like to do these evening podcasts with a beer and I know right. I'm dependent on that. It's, it's very, very difficult, but what we need to, like you said, and you know, what I think is the, the, the underlying importance of your work is we've got to have these discussions and start talking about things openly and figure out where we truly are getting completely sure screwed. Well, and that's the thing about it. I, I've always been a consumer, you know, and that's that's something that we have to admit, especially in America. I'm a consumer. I was I was conditioned to be a consumer. I used to consume uh, alcohol a lot. It was part of my lifestyle, and it's something that I totally enjoy. And guess what? Moderation is the best way to do it, and you're doing it right now, and you do it within your life. You're raising kids. And you're sitting here working and enjoying a beer, probably a dang good beer, you know, where you're living. So we, we have to put it in perspective. And, you know, this is my plea. First and foremost, let's put all of this into perspective first. Let's get a foundation of perspective and then let's move forward with the discussion. And I think that's what we've both been trying to, you know, signal out there is this is what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, I, I was on harvest for six weeks and I ate like a fool and it was something that I did not have any control of at night. Most of the times for probably four nights of a week, we did eat grass fed beef, but that was because I went and found the, the butcher and I found the guy and I talked to him and I said, I've got a group of 20 something hungry people. I want all the grass fed beef you can give me, but you know what we did right when we got to North Dakota we went to Walmart and bought $2,000 worth of processed food. Whoa. So uh, I'm the hypocrite, right? We had to do that. We had to do that because we were working. What are you doing when you're working all the time? You grab whatever you can grab. They know. 
So if half of my diet is what I talk about and the other half is this industrial complex, so be it. That's okay. You know what's going to happen. The more that you do my type of living, you're going to get addicted to that type of living instead of their type of addicted living that they've designed in labs to make you addicted to. Yeah. That's how I look at it. And even if it's just 10%, even if it's just 5% starting off, that's a good start. So find out what your starting point is. Find out where your starting point of awareness is and then go from there. Pick your poison, as they say, and then eliminate that poison out of your life. And once you have that small accomplishment, guess what? You're going to go on to the next one. Yeah, 100%. All right. So let's pick up from where we left off before. Uh, sure. You were telling us about uh, you'd been six weeks on the harvest and you were trying to expose to us uh, what had been going on between... Um, you know, the kind of disconnect between the farmers and then the harvest companies and then what's mm -hmm. actually going on and big ag and how that overlaps with farmer and whatever else. And, you know, picking up on your second piece, because uh, I want to try and follow this through uh, as, okay. as um, methodically as possible. Sure. There's a sentence in there in your second piece that um, needs discussing. Okay. And here we go. Uh, you were flagged by the IMF, the, the IMF mm -hmm. got in touch with you. So in, in fact, you, you know, you wrote so much. So someone from the IMF, the, uh, for those listening, the international monetary, uh, fund contacted me in a roundabout way. At this time, I am somewhat anonymous for certain reasons. One of my intelligence team members leaked the article out into certain channels. And from that leak, it spawned certain interest. So what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> what, right. What, what happened there? Well, the person's from IMF. They're, they're stationed in DC. We've, I run analytics. I'm going to play their game as well. So I'll run analytics on anything that I send out there. And so this person's with IMF. The person is in Washington, DC. And this person is actually from Argentina. And so we know you know, being from Argentina, I don't know if anybody's basically listening, they're getting beat up down there on all kinds of fronts, you know, from their, their money systems to their country being taken over, you know, their agriculture or a big beef industry. And people don't realize that if you go to Beautiful any, meat. yes, I mean, they, they, some of the best steaks I've had in my life, you know, yep. in Amsterdam and, you know, in Spain, you know, you go all over, you're going to get Argentine beef. So this person basically is with IMF, works for, uh, you know, them in D.C. And so they they try to front themselves as being pretty ignorant. I don't think they're, they are ignorant. They were trying to really pick my brain. And so they reached out and talked to me a little bit. What is food intelligence? They were asking the wrong questions. And so they're, they don't like the narrative that I'm creating, basically, is what that comes down to. And once I, once I was contacted by the IMF, this person with the IMF, which is, he's probably just a lackey, guess what happened? I started getting all kinds of new things into my feeds, my other feeds, and it, it's about blockchain technology and how we're going to save the planet with food in blockchain. Wow. <laughs> so, the, you know, they totally started sending all kinds of crazy stuff my way. 
in this blockchain technology from the biometrics and the nanotechnology and how they're going to start doing all this good stuff with uh, water filtration systems and everything. My, my messages were going off big time. And I have probably 12 to 15 new uh, connection requests in a different anonymous account. And they're all framing, you know, somewhat of a narrative around this new blockchain, nanotechnology type of stuff. And they don't like the awareness, I guess. I'm not far. I'm not that far yet with the with the cat and mouse game, I guess you'd like to call it. So we're going to find out more. But you're up but, for this, right? Like, and you, of you, course, you you know, in the CIA, and I'll I'll tell you, I'm anonymous. I'm not going to stay anonymous. I'm going to have to come out because I'm you know people are going to have to see my face, and I'm okay with that. My cousin, uh, he he's been kind of off the grid for 15 years. He he did work. He is CIA. He 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 got recruited from where I I live, where I was, I was raised. Both his kids are CIA. They're in the dark. I, I learned some stuff from him back when I was younger. You know, in the CIA, you you become a bulldog. Okay, that's this is out. This is the CIA. You go to the CIA website and you can dive deep enough down into it. Their philosophy is to be a bulldog. So what we do within the intelligence group that I work with, the people that, you know, the connections that I have, we're bulldogs. We're, we're going to go right after you. Come after me. I'm not breaking any rules here. I'm just, I'm exposing stuff that you don't want people to see. So, sorry, I got skill. You know, most people don't have the skill. So, you know, we're, we're going to help them find that skill. So I'm totally okay with anybody coming after me. And, you know, I have access to legal if I need it. My dad, my dad asked me, he goes, are you going to get an attorney? Because he understands the bigger picture. I said, no, I'm not going to get an attorney. I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing. We're just now getting started. And that will go, that will lead into, you know, what I'm doing with the, the beef here in Texas. And we'll, we'll build on that a little bit later. But to your question, you know, bring it on. And I've told people this, this is, I'm going to do this and we're going to do this. And this is something you're not going to stop me from doing. And I'm going to do it in ways that you don't understand yet. And so I'm going to, I'm going to create a signal. I'm going to create a framing and we're going to go, we're going to go fall balls to the wall on this. And, you know, so be it. Let's, let's have some fun because I really, I, you know, I'm from Texas and that does mean something to me. It does. It, it's a form of grit that I don't see that much anymore. And, <clears throat> Quite honestly, I'm 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 sick of watching people kill themselves in a roundabout way. And I'm sick of even people in my family and some of my family members are going to hear this podcast and they're not probably not going to like what I'm saying. But, you know, they need to wake up as well. And it's hard for me to even get family members to understand what what's going on here. I know the challenge is big. I know the cognitive dissonance is huge. I know the exposure is going to be kind of dangerous and it is going to be dangerous. I have a friend that works in intelligence. The FBI had her locked up for a month for certain things that she did back in Occupy Wall Street. So we've been there. We know what we're doing too. <laughs> and we've got, the, we got some good guys on our side too. So the signal, you know, it goes to the bad guys, but it also goes to the good guys. And so I, I understand how intelligence apparatuses work. And so we're going to play their game. 
and there's not going to be anything they can do about it. Because what we do is we create a narrative. It's like Bitcoin. Look at Bitcoin. Look at the signal of Bitcoin. What are they trying to do with Bitcoin? You know, how many times have it, has Bitcoin been killed? How many times have China outlawed Bitcoin? <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to create some new industries that have been waiting to be created. They didn't know how they were going to be created. We're going to do it on a Bitcoin network or a Bitcoin philosophy, which is decentralization. And it's a form of decentralization that they don't understand. And it scares the shit out of them. And I'm glad it does. Oh man, this is such fire. And this, this idea of narrative, this, this is a beautiful, beautiful segue into that. And then we'll come back and talk about what you're going to be doing with the beef, because I saw your okay. thread earlier. Um, we, we, after our original chat, uh, we got to chatting again in the DMs uh, to set up a, you know, this one, the follow on, we were talking about narratives and how it's controlled by the, um, I, I, some, some people get triggered when you say, you know, it's controlled by them or the elites mm -hmm. or whatever, but you know, let's, let's get serious again. It is that there, there, there is a group of people out there that are, are pulling certain strings at certain mm -hmm. times when it suits them and their agendas. And that's exactly what's going on right now. And the narrative is controlled through the mainstream media. And we, again, we've seen this with Bitcoin, like that the last 12 years, we've just faced God knows how many different narratives and they just keep pulling them out and regurgitating them. And like, you know, the climate one is just a, a classic example. How, yes. how then do we get ahead of the narrative? Cause I think this is what you're trying to do with like the hashtag food intelligence and uh, mm -hmm. the, the, the other initiatives that you're starting. Is there a call to some Bitcoin plebs right now to help you get ahead of the narrative? Is, is there some, some yeah, there's a. I was thinking about that today, Daniel, and it, it's a very good point. What we have to do, we all got into Bitcoin for our own reasons, and we don't know each other personally. We know our, our avatars, we know our characters or whatever you want to call it. One thing that we really have to remember, the only reason we're able to get into Bitcoin is because we nourish our bodies every day. We're trying to be very powerful in the Bitcoin world. We're trying to change a monetary system that is trying to destroy us and trying to imprison us in ways that we didn't know we were imprisoned before. As far as a narrative, a call to action, what we really need to do, we need to start attaching things to the Bitcoin conversation in every conversation that we have. It's, it's about decentralization. Some people don't ever bring that up when they're talking about Bitcoin. But what we have to do is we have to look at we have to look and we have to build the narrative around Bitcoin basically can save our nutrition. A lot of Bitcoiners are not in good shape. A lot of them are probably overweight. A lot of them probably eat like crap. Some of them are cyberpunks that probably never get up from the computer for two days on end and they eat pizza just because, you know, pizza is a very big thing in the Bitcoin world and we all know why. But let's look, let's put it that way. Let's start bringing this into the conversation. Let's bring it into the conferences. Let's bring it into the podcast like you're doing. This is something that's we're about to be attacked on a way that we don't understand how they're going to attack us within the nutrition delivery system. You, you can call it food. You can call it all that. What I like to change the narrative is into the nutrition delivery system, which is the food supply, 
and how they are basically having very good successes in abolishing what we have known, what we've been doing. When we have a Bitcoin conference, we go to a restaurant, we have a conference at a hotel, whatever it is. Well, guess what? Usually pretty good food. Sometimes it's crappy food. I don't know. But let's say, you know, in Austin, Austin, I think it's it's really geared around barbecue. You know, everybody's Texas bar, barbecue. Okay, let's look at our, let's look at that. If you go to Austin for a conference, let's bring the whole food supply, the nutrition delivery system into that conference. This is how we get started. And this is what we're we're going to do. Or I'm going to do it. And people are going to jump on. You know, I, I don't have to be a LARP to do this. I don't have to have a marketing plan. This is just going to happen because I, I know how to do it. And so I, if we can do this in the conversations and start bringing it in, you know, people like, you know, the big guys in Austin and one that comes to mind is Marty Bent. You know, Marty's doing a great, great things in Austin. Let's get him into the conversation. Let's get him into it. You know, Safeton's already doing it with food, Fiat, you know, Fiat standard. He brings a lot of the food into it. It has to be symbiotic with just Bitcoin itself. And if we can do that, because we're thinking about how we're changing our careers, how we're um, how we spend money, what we spend money on fiat, how we mine fiat is now that you know a big conversation. How do you mine fiat so you can acquire Bitcoin? That's 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 a great narrative. Okay, what about our nutrition system? Are you on a decentralized nutrition system, or are you on one of these big one world food group? You know, are you on a fiat food system? I'm not on a fiat food system anymore. I'm getting really close to being off of it. Let's start there. I how think that mine, would, yeah. How are you mining protein? Yeah, exactly. How are you mining protein today? You know, and that's what I, I wasn't. I wasn't planning on doing the beef initiative that I'm. You know, the Texas beef initiative or movement that I'm starting. Yeah, let's do but, that. Let's do that. Let's 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 do that right now. So, like, what sure. this 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 has obviously come out of the blue, out of left field. But you, you know, you stumbled across something here, and you think this is a bit of a home run. So let, let's uh, sure. yeah, tell the listeners well, what's going on. Let's give people some backstory of where I come from is cattle country. You know, it is the panhandle of Texas. It is, it is the top of Texas. Charles Goodnight was the guy that established Amarillo. He was, he was the actually character that the book Lonesome Dove was written about. So we, we have cattle in our blood here. So that's one thing. I'm a big beef guy. I've grown up with beef. I haven't always followed the beef narrative in my life or the protein narrative as much as I probably should have, uh, but I always ate beef growing up. So knowing that about me, I went on harvest and everything. I came back to the Texas Panhandle from Austin for cert uh, certain reasons. One, because of, uh, Austin wasn't the, the city that I grew to love. And I wanted to get back to where my roots were. And so I started hitting the pavement whenever I came back from harvest. And I went down to a small town that I grew up in and they have a county square. They have a food market every Saturday. They have produce. They have people that are uh, producing their own animal protein from pork to lamb to chicken to beef. And you can go buy that stuff. So I came across a guy. He, he grew up in the same small town that I did. I'll call him JT for now. Well, he is basically... He has hashed a life out of um, his quest for protein, animal protein. And what he's done is he's going to be his own producer, his own grower, his own processor, 
in his own basically uh, provider of animal protein. And guess what? You can do that in Texas and you don't have to be a part of the USDA. So him and I have been in discussions and what we're going to do, he gets to go live November 1st. So after November 1st, I can go up to JT and I say, I want a full cow. And basically I get a full cow. He processes the cow for me. I pay for the cow. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a small beef industry because what his, what his goals are, he wants to supply beef to everybody in the 60 to 70 mile radius. And that's what some people need to understand. Whenever you're producing beef, he has a hundred cattle right, right now ready for, um, you know, they're, they're finishing off and they're, they're going to be ready for processing. So he can supply a 60 mile radius of beef supply to many, many, many people. And that will never stop. That will always just be continuous through spring, summer, fall, winter. We have an ongoing local protein supply chain that he has built. And he's gone through all the Texas laws. He's worked in Austin. He knows his stuff. And he's, he's part of some organizations. One thing that they did not have was the understanding of what the Bitcoin network was, the decentralization of the Bitcoin network, and how you can leverage that network with lightning nodes, how you can start building on top of the Bitcoin network. What we're going to do is we're going, I'm going to start off and some other people, and they're going to be anonymous for now, is I'm going to go get a, a cow. I'm going to quarter it up. I'm going to have four quarters of a cow. What I'm going to do is I'm going to have somebody that wants to a quarter of a cow so they can have some protein security in their life and they want it to be grass fed and they don't want it to be going through the processors. They don't want any chemicals in that. They don't want any part of the industrial food complex in that beef. And so they're going to purchase that from me or they're going to make an order from that me. Well, we're going to do all this through the Bitcoin network with Lightning. And so every part of that cow will be bought and sold and transitioned through the Bitcoin Lightning Network. <laughs> By that, do you mean people are going to be using Lightning to buy the cow? <clears throat> yeah. And right. what we're, yeah, yes. In a way that we're going to develop where you can actually purchase instead of giving me cash money you can do it through the lightning bitcoin network right man that's cool yeah it's it's pretty cool <laughs> and right now you know the, the utility is not all the way there there's going to be some holes to get started but so you know yeah, it's like anything right you, you, well and this will go into another I, I sent you something today about a company in austin that formed and mm -hmm. we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit but the, What's what's really going to be fun about this is I'm going to meet some really cool people. Yeah, I go to Austin all the time. It's 500 miles from where I am to Austin, Texas. Okay, that's fine with me. Let's 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 become friends. Let's let's start some networking. Let's start expanding this Lightning node. Let's start mining. Oh, you want to learn about mining? Okay, you. <laughs> this is going to go in places people are not even understanding yet. And so what we're going to do is we're going to start with one cow <laughs> and we're going to quarter that cow up because not everybody can afford a full, you know, side of beef. Yeah. It's, now that's um, around, I think U.S. dollars is probably about 28, 3,000, 32, depends on the cow and everything. Yeah. So what we do is we quarter that up and then 
I okay, I'm going to Austin once a month into just the first couple months it'll evolve everybody's going to get hung on the big picture here this is this is the ground ground uh ground boots on the ground grassroots start of this and what we're going to do is we're going to start spreading beef around texas on a decentralized network that is going to be the bitcoin standard this will evolve out into something much much bigger and we're going to bring in people you know how many people in already on Bitcoin Twitter are cow people yeah. or they're ranchers, but they're staying anonymous right now. You know, you should see the messages I'm getting. How can I be involved? And I think Joel with untapped growth is just, he's overloaded, you know, he's overwhelmed probably. So, you know, I'm not doing what Joel's doing. I'm doing it in a different way. And we're going to be hopefully, you know, symbiotic in a lot of ways of the narrative and the importance and the understanding of how you can get your protein delivery system. Is it a fiat protein delivery system or is it a Bitcoin standard fiat delivery or protein delivery system? Man, I love it. I love it. And, you know, I, I alluded to the fact earlier, I'd been ringside at a slaughter of um, two sheep actually. Sure. And I did that here in, in France, uh, uh -huh. a friend, um, had uh, a small flock of sheep and he would uh, a friend of his would come and do the deed and yeah. he would then sell half or a quarter of a lamb and you know i wanted to go and buy half a lamb uh to because i wanted the fresh meat and i knew that the sheep had been well looked after and what they've been grazing on and, and whatever else and we live in small rural co communities around here and and being you know being part of that whole thing like actually First of all, herding the sheep into the pen and then uh -huh. watching the guys be in there when they 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 pulled the sheep out that, uh, uh -huh. that they'd, um, you know, sprayed on the back like this is going to be the one and then uh, led that sheep around um, to the, you know, to, to a quiet spot. We were like on the on the fringes of a forest and the the, the guy that was uh, going to actually slaughter the animal, he just flipped that thing over like it was a dog and just started stroking its belly. Mm -hmm. I'd never seen anything like it. And as he was doing it, uh, he was saying, he was an Algerian guy, so he was saying some kind of prayer. Um, sorry to those that are listening that are thinking, I, you know, I should have known what kind of prayer it was, but I, I, I don't know. It was a, right. it was a, it was a, it was a moment. And sure. Uh, sure enough, the animal almost went to sleep and out of nowhere, very swift, decisive, quick movement a knife was was put through the head uh, excuse me put through the neck and the head was tilted backwards at the same time all a very swift motion very professional done in an instant almost and i'm like uh -huh. okay i know i'm going to be taking and then i watched them skin it and disembowel it and um you know quarter it and, and hang it sure i knew exactly where my protein was going to be coming from and that was exactly. the first time ever and then I went back and watched them do another one. Um, and I'm sure obviously as time goes on, you get more and more comfortable doing those things. Um, but the, it was stark to me, the disconnection that we've had with our food our entire lives. Mm -hmm. Yes. And we've got to bring that back. We've got to, we've got to, we've got to connect again. Well, and that's a good point you're bringing up as far as disconnected from our food supply that we are. 
um, and not being able to give thanks to that animal, to praise that animal, to say, hey, man, I'm going to pray over you because what you're doing is you're sustaining me and my family. You know, put that, compare that to going through McDonald's drive through How much do we truly disrespect food? What is our desire wrapped around food? What is our value wrapped around food? Whenever you see an animal put down that you are going to consume, nothing but respect. And people, the big industrial food complex, they can play on that and they're going to play on this. They're going to play on, well, how brutal it is, you know, from PETA to all these clowns that are out there. The hypocrisy is, you know, out the roof with this. The type of stuff that you saw, that you experienced as a person and the type of the stuff that I'm bringing to the table as well has nothing but respect, love, honor, and everything that you could imagine. When you're at McDonald's, you're actually disrespecting that animal, part of an animal that's in that hamburger because it's not even all hamburger. So how disrespectful is that? And here's the thing, you're even disrespecting the, the, the wheat farmer because that, yes. that bread is just dog shit oh, as yes. well. Like, it's yes. disrespect down to the, like, the nth degree. Yeah. And I love people that try to bring up that argument about how brutal it is and how, you know, that it's just gory. No, it's not. It's, it is time to process your nutrients, just like we've been doing for thousands of years. What, what, what does this do? This brings education into food and that brings in intelligence. It brings in food intelligence. And that's something that we do not have. We have no clue. <laughs> you know, I was talking to a lady the other day, and this would put it in the perspective. I was talking to this lady. She was probably, I was getting my hair cut. And it, it's a small little barber shop. It's, it's a pretty funny place. It's a Texas barber shop. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's cheap and it's inexpensive. And there's always a good conversation to be had. But this lady, you know, she was a country girl not not a country girl she was a city girl where i am she basically what have you been doing and i told her i said i've been on harvest she said what's that huh? she didn't understand what harvest is i said okay well maybe i'm not being clear enough you know i went on wheat harvest she goes what's wheat harvest that's the level of ignorance that we have within our food and that just, that rang home, true and home to me. It's like, wow. Okay, I'm going to have to back up here because I think everybody knows what the dang harvest is. I think everybody knows what we use wheat for. Guess what, Daniel? They don't. They don't understand. They don't, they just, it's chicken tendies and, you know, they're going to consume them. And that's as far as their experience goes. Which color package, as you brought up earlier, what color cardboard or plastic is that in? That's as far as food intelligence is, is we are right now. And what I really don't like are the dietitians and the nutritionists in this world that play on that ignorance because they get to create a new, basically, industry every 13th month of the year. Mm -hmm. And it never goes away. 
because there is no food intelligence wrapped into their marketing plans or their nutrition plans or their diet plans because all they do is reinvent themselves. And so we have to look at that. We have to understand that it is okay to down an animal to survive because that is how we have survived. I've, I've, you know, I've, I used to elk hunt and I used to help a friend of mine guide elk hunting. And we did, we, we would shoot them, you know, you, the hunter would shoot them and everything and we would quarter them. Well, you look at the history of that, the native Americans, you look at where you were probably where that prayer come from. There is tradition in taking down an animal and giving it things. You know, the Native Americans in, you know, in the United States with Buffalo, there's all kinds of traditions that you could research right now on the internet and find out some really interesting stuff. And so we, we've just entered, we've just entered into here, the, um, it's called La Chasse in, in France, uh, the, the, the chase basically, or the hunt. Uh, mm -hmm. And this happens I don't know, it'll be on for the next three or four months and it will close again and then it'll be open again. And they're, they're looking for the, um, the wild boar or the deer. And right. Because if they're not, basically, if they're not kept in check, <laughs> you know, it's going to be, there's going to be problems, especially around residential areas. You know, wild yes. boar are pigs and we all know how quickly they breed. Um, does it cause problems? Yes, it can cause a little bit of mayhem and, and it seemingly needs a little bit more. It needs a bit of a closer look here in France, especially in the very rural communities, because it seems to be. Um, it's, it's not as professionally done as it should be. Let's uh, right. I'll keep it. At, I'll keep it at that. Um, but, you know, that there, there is at the end of the day, whatever is shot. Uh, and if it were to be shot on or close to, you know, the house or the land that you own, they're going to leave a, a hind quarter of uh, sanglier white wild boar on your doorstep, you know, all wrapped up for mm -hmm. you. That's yeah. just kind of the deal. And everybody's very, very happy with that. Or, or right. it'd be a uh, deer. Uh, you know, it's um, so it, it's nice to still be connected to that in, in a, a way. I just, um, yeah, like I said, it needs to be a little bit more professionally handled. Um, sure. But for for many people, they're going to think that's just you know as barbaric as it gets. Well, and that's easy for well, and people that's easy for people to do because they live they live you know an interface surface level life and judgment in an interface surface life. You know, they're a bunch of digital surfs. That's what they've become. They they they're not they're not real hard skilled people that go out there and, and, and pursue it. They don't pursue it. Like you had curiosity. You needed to experience that as a person. Anybody can do that. They choose not to, and then they choose to judge. So I, I don't pay, I, I don't pay them much mind. It's not a disrespect for me. It's like, I know more than you do on this one. I'm not going to have this conversation with you. I'm sorry, go out there and do it. Then, then I'll talk to you. You know, the, the slaughters that happen at McDonald's, you know, the, the, where they get their beef there, that's, you want to see something crazy. That's crazy. You know, a big slaughterhouse is crazy. You know, JBS is crazy. Cargill is crazy. Nationals crazy. Tyson foods is crazy. You know, there's all been all kinds of awareness and videos have been, you know, that have come out on the type of slaughterhouses. Those are, 
So, and they're used that against us. And then you know, a lot of people are, you know, vegetarian or vegans because of that reason. And one thing that I've always thought about is, you know, veganism and vegetarianism is very, I have no problem with that. And, but one thing it is, it's very idealistic. And that type of diet is now being exploited in ways that you don't know. For me, it's about eating animal protein. But for a vegetarian, it better be about where is this vegetable coming from and what is in it? What is that seed? What is the source of that seed? Vegetarians and beef eaters don't have to be at odds with each other on this. It has nothing to do with it. Yeah. Somebody, somebody I respect a lot the other day said, you're going to cancel me because I really believe in carbohydrates. And I said, that's great. And I said, complex carbohydrates, correct? Because where she grew up was complex carbohydrates. I said, yeah. I said, that's something your tradition of your family probably, you know, it's something that you've probably been, you know, your whole life has been surrounded by. That is fine. Let's talk about complex carbohydrates. That's not a loaf of white bread and that's not a bag of potato chips. <laughs> you know, that's not canola oil. That's not soybean. That's not high fructose corn syrup out of a genetically modified seed that used to be pure. But when so. you say, when you say complex carbohydrates, not, not to just wash over this and walk on sure. a lot of us are probably thinking, Hmm, what, what does that mean? What is a complex carbohydrate? Sure. It's a, it's, it's not highly processed. It hasn't gone through a lot of processing. It's going to be more raw in a way. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, you look at white bread, you know, oh my gosh, that's sugar in a bag. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a very highly processed carbohydrate. So some pastas, you know, that we grew up with younger or complex, you know, some breads you can still get, you know, there's things that you can actually consume that are complex carbohydrates that aren't burned off real quick and then you're hungry again you know those complex carbohydrates in the beginning were something that you know marathon people a lot of people really stacked on in the long run they found out wow this is not healthy for me i'm actually gaining too much weight because i can't burn off all these complex carbohydrates what does your body do with a complex carbohydrate turns it into fat and it clogs your arteries and all that kind of good stuff so what are we looking at here? We're looking at uh, the, the classic um, kind of uh, the, the white square loaf bread in, in a bag. We're also looking at the potato chips. We're looking yeah. at pasta. Uh, uh -huh. What else are, are people, you know, thinking, oh, shit, I got to throw that out of my cupboard? Well, honestly, it's everything you eat. Um, there you go. And, and we can't we can't blanket approach this to certain things. It's it's a it's a type of awareness you need to say, I'm not going to consume soybean or canola or seed oils ever again. Start there. Or I'm not going to consume. And this is the hard one. I'm not going to consume sugar. I'm not going to consume fructose corn syrup. It's got to start somewhere. It's not about the food itself because guess what this stuff is in everything and this will be a good transition of how they're coming after us and how they're coming after the beef industry, the cattle rancher. They've throughout time, they have had success in putting canola, soy, uh, high fructose corn syrup in everything that we consume. Okay. 
By doing that, every time they do that, it creates more magnification of your addiction to that processed carbohydrate. What it also does is it, it takes you further away from either a craving or an understanding of what a complex true protein is. So let's get to where we are today. 78% of Americans are either obese or they're overweight. One out of two Americans are diabetic or pre-diabetic. 46% of our children between the five and 11 were obese or overweight. So they know that. What is that? That is an addiction. That is not anything else. It's a form of gluttony that is not able to be controlled because people don't have any food intelligence in their life. Even when they think they do have food intelligence in their life, they're reading the wrong narrative. They're reading the package wrong. I'm getting my five a day. All of us. All of us. Yes, all of us. So where does that leave us now? What are they doing? Beef prices in the state of Texas up 50% more in the state of Texas than it was a year ago. My God. Yeah. So this is just one of the angles they're hitting. So they're saying there's a beef supply shortage. There's not, there's plenty of cows out there. We don't have a beef supply shortage. We have processors that are refusing to process the beef. And they're saying, well, we can't find enough workers. Well, let's blame it on COVID. Everybody else is blaming it on COVID. So, hey, it's COVID's fault. <laughs> well, we have a solution. This is, this is what they're about to hit. And we talked about the UN, the food supply summit, everything that they just did. If you look at every one of these new fake meat products, what they're doing is they're going to replace the animal fat in your life with the same damn commodity that got us here. That's mm -hmm. going to be canola, that's going to be soy, and that's going to be high fructose corn syrup. And they're going to call it meat, and your body will be deprived of every animal protein that you're, you need and what is that going to do for those numbers that I just said? And they're going to wrap it in a nice package. They're going to have, you know, people like DiCaprio, an actor that I truly, I like, I mean, shoot, I've watched his stuff. Wolf of Wall Street was hilarious, but you know, <laughs> they're going to use people and they're going to use Hollywood and they're going to use fake fiat money to, to do this and to drive it home. And then they're going to bring in the climate issues. And then they're going to basically say, the processors are going to say, I don't have to deal with this cattle rancher anymore because they have told us that this fake meat is actually better for you in nutrition and everything. And they're, and they're going to do it because they've been doing it to us for 50 years now and everybody believed it. And that is the fat fiction. And that is the cholesterol lie that we've been forced down our throats which has affected the medical industry. It has affected the pharmaceutical industry. It has affected the agricultural industry. So the impact, M-P-A-C, medical, pharmaceutical, agricultural complex is now complicit in all of this. And they're coming after animal protein in a way that people do not understand. And they're going to be stuck because they're going to be in a big city and they have one supermarket that they shop at. And that supermarket is going to start trading out beef for fake commodity protein. They did it with carbohydrates. They're going to do it with protein now. What is protein? What is cholesterol? How much of your brain is made of cholesterol? Tons of it. Okay. What is animal protein? That is power. That is muscle building. 
That is strength. That is endurance. Why would you take protein out of my diet? Why would you uh, replace it with soy estrogen protein? Soy estrogen protein. Why is that in some of the cows that we're eating right now? I live, I live close to a town where it is a livestock town. JBS is there. Cargill is there. Tyson's there. They bring the trucks in of cattle. They bring the trucks out of meat, right? Mm-hmm. There's people that, that will never come out and say this because they can't. But whenever that cattle rancher sells that cattle to the processor, there is another shot that that cattle does get. And so guess what's in that shot? You know, nobody really truly knows, but why does, why does our beef, when you can buy a pound, a, a pound ribeye steak and you can cook that down, how, a, lot, a lot of that is water. Of course, it's got hormones in it, of course, and it's got some other stuff in it too. And that's buying it from the supermarket. They've already been doing this to us. They just have been doing it through the cow. Now they're going to be able to do it through vegetable protein. And they're going to make you feel good about it because you're saving the planet and you're feeding somebody that's poor and hungry in Africa and Asia, which they've been doing my whole life. And they're still hungry in Africa and Asia, but I've never seen anybody in Asia hungry. <laughs> they eat better than most Americans do. So they're going to use that narrative and they're, they're already delivering the stuff through our meats already. You know, look at all the fast food industries. How much soy is in that beef product that you're eating? How much soy, you know, what is, what is soy? It's a, it's a protein. It's a genetically modified seed that they grow and it has a form of protein in it. Well, that form of protein is not good for men for one thing. And that's why you hear the soy narrative all the time, soy rage, soy this, you know, soy. Well, it's true. It, you know, soy is not good for you. I'm sorry, guys. You want to you wanna fight me? I'll fight you. But soy is very bad for you. And it really does produce a form of estrogen. Well, you know, the medical and the pharmaceutical industry and the agriculture guys, the impact, they're going to say, oh, that's a different type of estrogen. It's not going to be the type that a woman has. Well, I don't give a rat's ass. I don't want that estrogen in my body. And I'm not okay with it. And it's not good for you. I don't know the study. I saw it once, but in Japan, because uh, they have to study soil. They, they, they have a lot of soy in Japan, in Asia. You know this. And so they study soy and they found out that there is something that is something, a soy rage. It does affect men in different ways. And it's a very, I'll try to get that report. It's pretty covered up, but it's, it's funny. I was going to take you to Japan because, you know, I had lived in Asia for, for many years and I love right. my sushi. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you go there and you, you have your soy sauce dipping sauce and you know, mm-hmm. that is obviously derived from a soybean. And clearly when, when you stop and think about it, I mean, you know, how does it go from a bean to that black sauce and, you know, shipped around the world. And we even had some tonight, we cooked Thai food tonight. And uh, I added a little bit of soy sauce to the, uh, uh, the, the chicken and the vegetables. And I was thinking, as I'm doing it, I'm like, shit, I'm talking to Texas Slim in a few minutes. <laughs> I'm, I'm using soy sauce. But, but the, the, narrative, good... the narrative they will spin is, you know, well, look at the average age of a person in Japan. Like, uh, you know. Well, that's, that's low-hanging fruit, isn't it? Yeah. 
you know, their soy that they've relied on is a different type of soy than the, right. the USDA and Monsanto it. has designed for you. Once again, you got to go a couple of layers deep here. You know, that's why Jap uh, the Japanese, that's why they study soy. Their soy is a little bit different mm -hmm. than ours. And their rice um, as well, right? Yeah, everything, all of it. You know, it's all different. And that's where you go, okay, I, I need to dive deeper into this. It's too easy to be in a general conversation and say, well, soy is okay. Because I heard that crap in Austin all the time. Because <laughs> there's a lot of people, you know, there's some soy heads in Austin. But, you know, they, they would use that narrative of oh, sushi and tofu is just awesome. It's, it's amazing. It's protein. You can be so strong. No bullshit. It's, it's, it's a form of product that, yeah, maybe in Japan, I'll, I'll, I'll eat tofu in Japan. I eat tofu in Thailand. You know, I was in Thailand for a long time. I, I ate a lot of beef in Thailand, too. It's totally different. Where are you? What state are you in? What county are you in? What country are you in? Let's figure that out first and let's talk about your food and where it's coming from. And that's one thing that we can start relating as a world and as a Bitcoin world. It doesn't matter where you are. Guess what? It's coming at you. And it just ended and they're coming after france they're coming after japan and they're coming after thailand they're coming after the netherlands they're coming after england they're coming after australia they're coming after argentina and they're doing it and they're going to have success and this is like uh, right this takes me right to another quote that i pulled from your your second piece okay um and it, it goes on to you know, i'll read this paragraph and this is just going to tag on to exactly what you're saying in short, what they are saying is that farmers, ranchers, peasants and producers have lost the ability to grow and produce food in a way that is sustainable for 7 billion people. Thus, they need to take control out of sovereign governments hands and create a one world food group that will design a food supply for the whole planet. One world food group that scares the shit out of me. Yeah, There's nothing more centralized than that. No, and that's that's as centralized as it gets. And once again, they've been able to successfully create this narrative of. And this came out of the the the, the meeting you you followed mm -hmm. closely. Yeah, the UN the, Food Supply Summit that just happened September twenty seventh. Food Supply Summit. Oh my god! <laughs> right during the UN General Assembly, as they advertised fake meat, all happening at the same time, the same oh week. God. Okay, let's go back to that that paragraph that you said. Mm -hmm. One World Food Group, and they they're able to do it now. They can do it. They have everybody's attention. They have the narrative. You know, we we I tell everybody COVID was a beta test. That's all it is, because they have the marketing plans. They have everything in place. Now you talked about the the, the uh, carbon credit stuff. That stuff's coming big time towards the cattle rancher. Okay, I'm sorry. And they're using, of course, methane. You know, they're saying that methane is too much. And they're going to tax the cattle. Now, it's on the cow farts. Yeah. Cow farts, exactly. <laughs> and people are falling in. If you, if you look at that report, and I think you have it, but there's, it's called the Agra Atlas. Okay. You can look at it. It has a global map. 
And then on top of that global map, it's in a PDF form. It has every corporation that has bought and signed on the dotted line that we're in with the, we're in with you on this. We are we are in. We've thrown our chips into the game. And you start looking at those companies, and it'll take you a good 10 minutes to read every corporation's name on that. They've already signed off on this. They're in it. They can't back out now. And you look at certain symbols that you're using, the little rainbow circle signal that they use with the UN and the Great Reset. You, you look at certain corporations that are doing that. The One World Food Group is already organized. It's already ready to hit the, uh, the markets and they're ready to release it. And it's going to come with a supply chain shortage that they're doing right now. Have you seen all the, the ships, you know, around the uh, United States of America that are just sitting in dead water? Well, mm -hmm. supply chain is going to be a big thing this, this winter in the United States. And that's going to affect our food supplies in a lot of ways. So that's going to be able to form the monetary reset, which is the same thing as a, is a you know, the, the great reset. Well, what it is, it's also going to be a, a food supply reset. It's going to be a nutrition Let's get down to it. It's going to be a nutrition reset. And they're going to be able to pull this off because they started this a long time ago when they said, go big or go home in 1973, when uh, Butts said that, Earl Butts. And that's, of course, when we went off the gold standard and they created this uh, industrial food complex that Eisenhower warned us about. What they said is that you will grow that corn from fence to fence. You will not be a farmer that can be a uh, farmer that grows four separate products. And if you don't, you'll be out of business. And so they had to grow that corn from fence to fence. In the long run, let's look at it 50 years later, what that has created is such a dependency to where now they can commoditize our food in a, in a certain way to where they've gotten it down to where they can create certain food sources that can be built and delivered on a one world food group supply chain line. Now you talk about centralization, it doesn't get more centralized than that. You look at the new Silk Road that China is building right now. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are talking about, why are we doing this with our supply chain lines? What's going on? Because a lot of our supply chain line, you can read in that first article I wrote, you know, how did seeds get transported throughout the history of time? Well. All of this is getting shaken up on the world um, viewpoint. And as far as what is really going on with the supply of the seed, well, that is getting shaken up and how they're going to leverage that is do a nu nutrition reset. And they're going to do it with new fake commodities because they've had trillions of dollars of success with fake commodities the last 50 years. You think they're going to stop now? The cow is an afterthought in their minds. Cattle, animal protein is an afterthought. They already know how it's going to play out. They know that people will eat the bad commodities and they'll make it in a way. Bill Gates is quoted as saying, and I, you don't see it too, too often. And I, I don't like talking to Bill, Bill Gates that much because he's really not the problem. He's just, he's somebody you can point a finger at. But he said, you know, the burgers, good texture. They don't taste exactly the same as a burger, but they're about to. They know it. They know it's about to. 
they know they have the, the chemicals. They can make that fake commodity protein taste just like your cow protein. And they're going to make you believe that that vegetable protein is just as good as an animal protein. It's not. It's proven that. We've proven yeah, that, that. That is proven. That, that there is a completely different um, uh, chemical structure to protein that yeah. you'd find in a bean to protein that you'd find in a, you know, exactly. a, a morsel of meat. Even though the marketing campaigns will tell you, oh, look, in like, uh, you know, X amount of ounces or um, grams, wherever you come from in the world of soybeans is X amount of percent of uh, protein compared to meat is only 4% compared to 15%. Right. Complete like the the, the metrics are nonsense. The, 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 uh, and the comparisons are completely like, you're talking you it. just brought a very good point. You said that the delivery of the vegetable protein, basically, of in the animal protein. What did we talk about last time? The new nutritional standard is going to be 14 grams of protein per day. Hmm? Yes. I remember oh. you saying that, actually. Yeah, that's yeah. ringing a bell now. 14 grams. Yeah. It could, down from what? What a current? <laughs> I told you I eat over 150 grams of protein. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but so, you're a crazy bastard. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And but let's think about that. I weigh 178 pounds. I'm six foot one. I weigh 178 pounds. I consume between 150 to 180 grams of protein every day. That works for me. Guess what? You know, I'm a pretty powerful guy you know, I have endurance, I have, you know, a good structure. Okay, well, if I didn't do that, I'd be six foot one, and I'd weigh 230 pounds. Mm. I guarantee you I would. Mm -hmm. And so what they're going to be able to- If you were eating the protein that they were pushing you under the guise of there's more protein in this product. Yes. If I was eating 14 grams of protein, especially animal protein, and that's what they're suggesting, and I, and I, I would replace all the other protein in my diet with uh, high, highly processed carbs, basically junk as most people do. Cause we have to, I would go up to 230 pounds. I, it wouldn't be hard. It would be easy to do. I am at 178 pounds because I'm very intentional about that. It is a lifestyle for me. It's not about losing weight. It's not about being a health nut. It's really about being on a diet, right? This this yeah. awful cliche as well. I'm, you know, yeah. you know, what diet are you on? I'm like, life. Let yeah, exactly. Life. It's not about dieting, man. It's about lifestyles, and so let's, because people will say, well, it's it's uh, easy for you to be who you are, and because I stay in shape, you know, I do work out, you know, I I do use my hands, you know. I, I do things a lot of people don't do probably, but if I didn't, my life would suck and I would not be a happy person. So why do I do it? I do it for physical power. Yeah. But what I really do it for is mental happiness, a state of mind that I can actually enjoy. This is what's being left out of the narrative as well. This is about brain power to joy a sense of freedom. I feel good at 178 pounds and six foot one. I feel good about that. That is empowering to me. Does it take work? you damn right it does. But one thing it does, it gives me a sense of self that nobody, nobody can steal from me. 
and nobody can replicate. And that's by being very intentional with my life and having a very sovereign mindset. So nutrition is a tool to get there. This is this. It, I want to take this in a in a kind of a little woo woo way, maybe for for sure. some people. But Citadel is a the Citadel is a is a big meme within the space, and uh, right. many of us think about the 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 homestead and the ringed fences or the, the 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 medieval castle and the moat and whatever else. But what you're talking about is a Citadel of the mind. Yes, yes, and thank you for bringing that up because I was driving back from um, doing stuff today. And I wanted to talk to, I said, you got to talk to Daniel about this. I spent time in Af uh, Asia. I spent time in, you know, Thailand. I told you, well, I studied Buddhism. I did. Yeah, I studied it a lot, very deep. And I'm not a Buddhist. <laughs> it's just my curious little mind. <laughs> but I respect it. You know, it's, I think it's a wonderful philosophy. But it is. It's about, it's about having a citadel of the mind. Because what are they coming after us in the end? In the very end, what is what is their end game? What is the chess game here? It's coming after your mind. That's the war we're fighting. They're they're fighting a fifth generational warfare, and we're not catching up to that yet. So it you know, Bitcoiners are out saying, "Hey, I'm going to build the citadel." Well, I want to I want to I want to come visit for sure. But one thing you really need to do first and foremost is build the citadel of your mind. And how are you gonna do that? It's gonna be food intelligence and your protein nutrition delivery system. You, you nailed it right there, Daniel. And it, it, it is. Why are we pursuing outside? Everybody's looking out towards the universe for answers. Answers are right inside of us. And I think for a lot of people, Bitcoin helped us discover that. The philosophy of Bitcoin just the philosophy of it and so it opens up a lot of doors that were actually very shut and now we get to dream about things we get to wake up in the morning and say hell yeah look we're pumping today you know or we get to watch people freak out when it takes a dive and we're okay with that well that's confidence right where did that confidence come it comes from having a type of citadel of the mind doesn't it absolutely it does and it comes from being able to hit your wagon onto you know, the, 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 the truth truck, if you know, yes. to use a Texan analogy, because you, we've never had that before. Not in our lifetimes, not no, in not our lifetimes. No, no, we I'm didn't know it. Had... We didn't know it, but like, we, we've never had it because, uh, you know, we arguably off the gold standard, you know, well before 1971, but you know, mm -hmm. th th there's, there's been no truth within our price signaling mechanism throughout the economy as long as we've been alive and now we've got this thing and no wonder we're all rushing to it when we see it and understand just the tiniest little bit of it well it's, it's opened up a portal that we didn't know was there it's it's, it's that simple you know your your core belief system and my core belief system were totally engineered a different way than than what is possible now so that we had we had to adapt but we chose to adapt very fast to the bitcoin philosophy and the bitcoin standard in the bitcoin way and i'm very thankful for that because you're right if if we did have those thoughts or these these uh, hopes and dreams that's where they, it was a fantasy land 
And a, a lot of you younger people out there, you need to realize this. We didn't think this was going to happen. You know, you especially were in the financial markets. You know, you could talk about this all day long. The stress the, the you're chasing your tail every day, how smart you truly probably, you know, had to show who you are, your intelligence, and how that just got totally beat to crap. And you can never do enough. You can never do enough. Ever. And you, you know what? You know, Bitcoin, as Sailor says, it bends space and time in a way that's hard to understand at first. And, you know, I sent you that text that I sent out today and I said, hey, you know, this company, you know, it was a company called CyberCore. It was Austin, Texas. And uh, it was one of my first very companies I was involved with, heavily involved with CyberCore. Well, they got bought out by Charles Schwab by about half a billion dollars in stock, right? Well, all that happened and it started happening in an apartment complex in Austin, Texas, and it started with $1,500. So all you young guys out there, you're on the right track. This stuff does happen. Cybercore, what we did, and I was on I was ground floor. What we did, we designed an online software application to where you could be sitting at your computer and you could buy $500 worth of Apple stock in a split second. Okay, everybody goes, well, big deal. Guess what? Nobody had ever done that before. We were the very first company in the world that ever did that. At the time you had E-Trade. E-Trade, you would say, I want to buy $500 worth of Apple stock. Well, you sent an email to a broker. <laughs> the broker then had to go through his application system, his utility system, and then he had to go make your trade. Well, what did you do? You lost a lot of minutes. Well, that's a lot of money to a lot of people. Cybercore had developed it and who adopted it first. It was, it was day traders, you know, guys that time and distance mattered. Okay. So Charles Schwab saw this and said, we're about to shoot. We're about to change the world. Well, they did in ways that people do not have a clue because that cell of Cybercore, a lot of things were not able to be told to the public about that was part of the deal. Well, CyberCore became CyberTrader. CyberTrader was probably one of the biggest reasons Charles Schwab is who Charles Schwab is today. Now you have Robin Hood, you have all these other you know, mm -hmm. people. The moral of the story, go ahead. I was going to say, when, when was this going down? It was like mid, late 90s? 1999, 2000. Holy shit, man. That this is way before any kind of this, yes. um, like uh, it was innovative, it was all get out high frequency trading and all of mm -hmm. this, like Michael Lewis's book. So, well before that, so what, oh, yeah. what I'm imagining is that that Schwab took hold of this thing and the way that they could really drive, I mean, like their competitive edge would have been how much a person was paying commission to place a trade, right? So, they could drive the commission down and still take a decent spread because you, they had the latency speed. Right. Wow. You know what Charles Schwab did? He knew yeah. that he was in space and time. Right. Okay. What is this Bitcoin is what we're doing right now in Bitcoin? Yes. So, so that's what I want people to understand is you're onto something. And everybody during that time, Charles, uh, Cybercore, they didn't want Cybercore. Cybercore had to go through a lot of bullshit. Okay. Guess what? At the same time, they almost didn't let Amazon happen. There's been times where in certain states you couldn't buy Apple. You know, whenever it first came out, there's there's an adoption period that is very scary. 
So all you hardcore Bitcoiners or you guys that don't have, you know, you're not walking around with the big, the big uh, energy, then you need to, uh, you need to understand that we're onto something and they're scared. And what happened with Charles Schwab, with what he did, he, he bent space and time and he did. He was able to get more volume of trade, keep its prices low, more people gravitated to Charles Schwab. You can compare the two a lot of the ways of what's going on right now and the type of innovation that is about to follow with what I'm doing with beef. I'm going to spend, I'm going to, I'm going to basically lessen and I'm going to bend space and time to where you can get good protein delivery system to your brain. <laughs> That's it. It's as simple as that. I'm going to cut out all of that crap, all those, those traders, those utilities, those other software applications, the E-Trade, going to a broker, getting permission, every restriction, every regulation, all that was wiped out with day trading. And you had guys hitting buttons going, boom, million dollar trade, million dollar trade. That had never done, happened before behind the computer. Now, you know, you like I said, you have Robinhood. Everybody trades online. You can open a Ameritrade. All these other companies, you know, flourished as well. But cyber was one of the very first ones to do that. So we're going to do that in the Bitcoin world. And people don't understand that. And you get these altcoin blockchain crap that's going on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have, I have close friends that are going to, we're not going to be close friends much longer because they're buying this shit. That stuff is going to be used against us as a society. You know, they're going to, there's a big old uh, Bitcoin 2022. They have a big altcoin, you know, how they, they try to hijack the Bitcoin conference everywhere they go. Well, smart cities, you know, that's going to be all this altcoin stuff and all this centralized blockchain BS that's basically going to enslave you in a way that, people don't want to admit and the people that especially don't want to admit are the people that are going to make billions of dollars off of it. And they're going to, that's not what Bitcoiners are about. We're about bending space and time so we can have more value in our life. It's not about making a bunch of money. It's about getting time back into our life to where we can have a legacy with our children and our family and whatever it is we want to do in life. There are two different narratives. And we saw this back in CyberCore days. We were giving people a chance to work from home, to trade from home, to cut out the middleman, and to take more power and empower themselves more in their life. Bitcoin is no different. Mate, that is so well-framed that if the sets aren't dropping for some of the listeners now, I'd be completely shocked. This is, right. this is all tying in so so beautifully and like the, the last thing i wanted to kind of talk about uh in that second piece and it, again you know it marries beautifully into what we're talking about here you know we, we've we've switched into financial markets uh and it is also linked um and you talk about warren buffett and you talk mm -hmm. about berkshire hathaway right. and how in 2013 uh he was part of um a buyout of Heinz. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, what the hell? You know, yeah, exactly. like, what what the hell is? Uh, I don't know. Let's say he was seventy seven years old at that point. Businessman, hedge fund manager, buying Heinz for. Mm -hmm. 
consolidation of your nutrition on a he's mass scale. That's he's it. complicit. Yes, 100%. Charles, Mr. Buffett, let's talk about Mr. Buffett. What stocks did he never buy? You know, everybody always likes to say, oh, it's Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett. I don't like Warren Buffett. <laughs> I think he's evil. I think he's evil. I, I'm and the same as you. In ways that people are, that are scared to say. You know, why does, it, why does a billionaire buy Heinz and all that, you know, you know, consolidate food? Consolidation of food is the most dangerous thing that's ever happened for humanity. And people don't understand that. And they're about to consolidate it even more. And this, you brought up a good date back in 2013 is when all of this started happening. It's not just now being put together. They've been working on it for almost a decade. And they are giving themselves another time frame window of about eight more years. And so, and it's going to be the drip approach. It's always been a drip approach. But since 2013, look at how much more rich and greedy Mr. Buffett got. And he did it by people dying in ways that they don't understand the reason they're dying. You want to get raw? You want to get real talk? Let's real talk. He's basically, he can invest in other companies and he can make money in other companies to change the world for better. But he doesn't. He doesn't. You know, he, he, he walks around with the Diet Coke and all that, you know, and PepsiCo. And those, those are very evil companies. You know, Coke. What is that? High fructose corn syrup, 30, you know, 30 grams of crap in your system. So these guys are all complicit in it. I don't care how rich they are. I don't care how famous they are. They're not good. Ameri they're not good Americans. They're not good people. They're not good humans. Why do you, why do you need to keep on making billions of dollars off the back of death? You know, why is, why, why are people afraid to ask that question? Somebody that well off, you know, from the Gateses to the, the to the Buffets, they're that smart. They're that rich. Why are they not really truly changing the food supply in a way that would empower us, the individual, us peasants? Well, that's that's humanity. They've always made the peasant weak. They've always made them eat porridge or have less protein in as a diet. How is it any different from the slaves of the time of Pharaoh to the time of now? It's not. It's the same. And we don't pay attention to that because people don't know their history. Man, and there's such an insidious tie here because guess who are best mates? Who? Buffett and Gates. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're best friends and you know, the reason they are best friends is basically can be tied. Hold on. It, it can be tied to this big one world food group. Yep. If there is, is there a connection? Yes, there is a connection. I told you I had that report with uh, Bill Gates last time. And I, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't get to it yet, but it's got every connection in the world that there are. And they are in bed in everything. And you, you brought up earlier about who's them. Well, who's they? Well, let's just start off Bill Gates and Buffett. Just start there. If you, if you really want to know who they are, map out, get a Vizio map out and just map out all their connections. You can do it. You can go to Yahoo News and do this. 
But people aren't going to do that because they don't have time. When they're just going to say, oh, you're just making stuff up. No, I'm not making it up. So, and, you know, there's a, there's a, I'll do a plug. I don't even know who did it. It was done in the Netherlands. Uh, Follow the money on YouTube. Have you ever seen that one? I haven't, no, but I, it's something I'm passionate about. I tell people all the time, you know, just follow the money. If you see something yeah. you don't understand, it's, just follow the money. There's a documentary. Watch it, everybody. Follow the money on YouTube. And um, if you want, I'll send it to you. And people can look at that and they go, oh, I see what he's talking about now. And guess what? All the information was pulled off of Yahoo News, Yahoo Finance. Yeah, it's not difficult. No, it's, no, it's public. It's not like, ooh, I'm a spy. I, I know more than you do. This one's straight out in your face. So you can't deny it. And you can see how everybody is in bed together. Well, the one world food group, you control the food, you control the people, you control the seed. I mean, you control the, you control the world, um, food, you control the world, you control the seed, you control the people, the person. You can saw it down to the controlling of that person. And it starts in the source of the seed. And they know this. And they're very good at it because we just proven that they were. There's a there's five decades that they 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 know that they can do this now. And they have no doubts that they're going to do it. So you look at that. I I, I put up a a picture and it says United Supermarkets, 1971. <laughs> well, that was the creation of the mega supermarket in the United States. Lo and behold, 1971. Exactly. And before that, it was the grocery store. Right. It was mom the grocery pop. store. Yeah. yeah, mom and pop. We had two or three in a small town or yet two. Okay, you look at that, you know, United 1971. It, it That's not hard to figure out that... Basically, all this has been going on for a while. So, man, this—it's so topical with this one world food group and what's going on right now in Europe with the release of the new James Bond film. I'm just thinking this is a classic Bond script. Like, it's—it's it's unbelievable, isn't it? And you got really Klaus is. at the top; he's Doctor <laughs> Evil, and like you know, it's. Yeah. But, you know, th that, that sounds too glib because, you know, what we're talking about here is fucking serious shit. And... Well, what we have to do is we have to make it serious, but we have to do it in the way that we're doing. It's something that is, you need to pay attention. It's a lifestyle change. It's a citadel of the mind adoption. <laughs> and it's okay. Everything, everybody, it's okay. It's okay. But let's just let's just change our angle just a little bit. Let's just a couple of degrees this way, get started and let's get some momentum. That's what it's about. And I brought I brought up the supermarket. My intention, because I'm a very intentional person, is I want to create a beef industry that is more of I'll never rely on a supermarket ever again for my animal protein. Mm -hmm. And I think it's possible. And I think I'm in a perfect place on this earth to do that. And that's the state of Texas and where I am in, in cattle country, where I am in Texas. I think this is something that all you guys out there listening to this in the state of Texas, get a hold of me because this stuff is about to start taking place. We can scale this in a lot of different ways in a lot of different places. You know, you in France, I mean, you can do it. You have people that are still mm -hmm. doing it the old traditional way, correct? Totally. Yeah. 
So my intention is, hey, your supermarket is changing and it's going to be a Saturday. Hey, hey, kids, we're going to go on a road trip or hey, girlfriend, wife, husband, whatever it is. We're going to go on a road trip and we're going to go out to the country or go to this guy. We're going to learn about food intelligence a little bit. Whatever you have to do, or are you going to have somebody like Texas Slim saying, hey, he's bringing us our beef on Thursday. He's coming from Amarillo. I'm going to meet him out here in Brownwood. Or I'm going to meet him down in Austin. We're going to meet downtown Austin, and I'm getting a quarter of a cow delivered on 6th Street. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's going to happen. And, you know, we'll do it. And it's going to be fun. And you can do that. If you buy a quarter, you know, a quarter of a cow, I'd say today that's $600. That's a lot of beef for your family. That's some food security. You, your family is going to know what they're eating. They're going to know what their food supply is. They're not going to be worried about other things. Your kids are going to say, how are we going to cook these burgers, dad? How yeah. are we going to make these How are we doing it tonight? Are we, are we yes. uh, flame grilling or are we, uh, you know, pan frying or you know, broiling? Yeah. Or... Well, you, in Texas, all you Texans out there, you better back me on this is you know chicken fried steak you know is an amazing amazing thing in texas we, what what are you saying chicken fried steak yeah chicken fried steak and how's that prepared what it is you get you get either cube steak or i you can do it with a ribeye what you do is you get it pretty tender you tenderize the beef how are you then, tenderizing it yeah uh, you can use a hammer you can use anything you want it's right. a lot of different ways i use with any with any salt pepper any kind of herb spices or you just sure. yeah 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 okay I, I would keep it with just salt and pepper though all right nothing else you got to be chicken fried steak you can't put a lot of basil or you know oregano stuff like that on it but what you do is you tenderize it out you flatten it out a little bit and then you uh you put it in flour a good flour not a totally bad flour and um, then you dip it in a uh, uh, cream and uh, like a heavy whipping cream and with egg. And then you put it back in the flour and you bread it. And then you have talon and you basically fried in talon and you have a chicken fried steak. And I'm telling you that <laughs> I, thing. I've never heard of this. <laughs> I know it. And, and a lot of people are going, what the heck is that? <laughs> but in Texas, it's pretty, it's right up there next to barbecue. In, in especially in this part of Texas, but you, you're going back. I went and picked up some of my beef the other day. Me and JT had a conversation. I picked up a lot of beef and I said, I'm going to get this top sirloin. I'm going to turn it into a chicken fried steak. Well, I did. And it, it was a success. <laughs> <laughs> so I have, I have full confidence that I'm, I'm onto something that's going to, going to happen in Texas. Because you can chicken fry a top sirloin and it's excellent. <laughs> that, that's 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 I, I can only imagine that that ever became a thing because the cattle ranchers of the day were just sick and tired of eating beef every day. Right. Yeah. That they, they tried to kind of uh, you know variety a bit of variety in their diet just make the beef look at least like chicken. Even you're if probably it right. Like it. I think you probably nailed it. You know, I think you're you're spot on. <laughs> <laughs> But that's the funny thing about Texans that's, you know, we get laughed at for that, you know, chicken fried steak, that makes no sense. It's not right. a chicken. Yeah, what, it, what it didn't make any about? sense to me. That's why we got into that conversation. Uh, so, you know, that's how I, that's how I can identify if you're a true Austinite, if you know where the best chicken fried steak is. And so in Austin, because there's, you know, there's only one place. 
and everybody's going to come after me and say, well, this is, but no, I'll know it whenever I see it. I'm not going to say it on air because we got to have a challenge out there. <laughs> and right now for all you Austinites, uh, Blacks, I think on Barton Springs is by far the, the best barbecue. And I think that's where a lot of people are going these days. And I used to live right there off of Barton Springs in uh, Dawson. So it's a beautiful little uh, part of Austin that's really neat. It's close to Barton Springs. Zilker Park and everything. Nice shill. And there's, there's, I can't remember who I was listening to a podcast today, but there's someone in <clears> Austin. It was on John Vallis's show. There's someone in Austin that's trying to pill all of the restaurants down there. So we, we, we need to like uh, get him yeah. along to Blacks. That's what you said, right? Blacks. Yeah, Blacks. Yes. And get them accepting lightning payments uh, because of the Bitcoin community that's being built down there. It doesn't matter where the best barbecue is. They're going to go to the one that's accepting lightning or, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. In shape or form. Well, you have Franklin's, you have the Salt Lick, you have Lax. You know, let's start with all the barbecue restaurants in, in Central Texas. That's the best way to approach this and just go and, you know, orange peel all of those because a lot of those aren't uh, corporate, of course, and they're all local. So I think that, you know, his push is going to have some success. Start with the beef. <laughs> I wish I could find it. It might be BTC Fangorn. Um, I'd like anyway, to find that. yes. Anyway, you know, yeah. And um, and, and shout out to, uh, as well, Leonardo DiCaprio. I know you're listening. Wise the fuck up, my friend. Yeah, Seriously. wise up. Wise up. <laughs> it, it's disgusting. It, it really is disgusting. I have, I'm sorry, you know, I'm just, no. I'm not going to cut to that crap anymore <laughs> no more cucking man no. we've been going we've been going almost two hours um okay. there, Last there's time more we asked, we wanted to hear a story that that's right there, there is more that i wanted to cover and it was a story because last time we we closed down the recording and mm -hmm. we just carried on blaring afterwards we're not going to do that again today listeners i promise you when we when this recording finishes this will be the end of the conversation <laughs> be done and I want to make sure that uh, we get out there some of those harvest stories that you were telling us about because you were, you know, locked away six weeks out in the field, out in the the, the middle of nowhere with a sure. bunch of guys you'd never met as the older guy of the group, trying to earn their mm -hmm. respect, trying to earn their trust. Yeah, give give us give us something that that went kind of well, wrong or awry. Well, yeah, you go through a sequence of events. You know, you can you change that combine wheel? Well, that combine wheel's you know it's eight feet tall. People don't know how big those are. So you get tested, you get tested, you get on your piece of equipment, and so you have to test out all the equipment. And you go from staging area to staging area. You know, I was telling you the orchestration of it all. Well, you get pretty pretty wrapped up into you're moving and you're moving fast and um you've got usually six to seven combines you've got at least two tractors two grain carts two fuel trucks and so you're popping around dirt roads and from one staging area to the other staging area you're out in the middle of nowhere well you have to go from one crop and if you do you have to clean out all your equipment and you have to get all the seeds out which is something that's pretty religious about, which is good. And so you, you clean out all the seeds, you get it out of your carts, your, your headers, your choppers, and your shoots and everything. Is this well, just this high one, pressure water? Like, you know, how are you doing that? No, no, it's air pressure, air, air pressure, air, air holes. Yeah. And so what you do is you, you stage somewhere in this one place. I think I sent you a picture of it. It's an yeah. old bar, uh, barn and, you know, it's a pretty run down place where you're, you're thinking you're in the middle of nowhere. 
for the most part, you are. Well, with these shoots, you got to put them up and they're pretty tall in the air. And, you know, because they bend down, they have an arm on them to where you can bend them down to uh, shoot the grain into the grain, um, the, the trailers as they go off to the silos. And so that particular day, I was on a big John Deere tractor and I cleaned out my grain cart. I'd done all the air pressure stuff and I'd clean out my chute. Well, it was time to go. And so whenever you go, you go. Well, we're out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Well, I didn't put my shoot back down and we are in the, you could be in a movie that it looks like the old West, of course, but there's a problem. There's a power line <laughs> and that power line, <laughs> it basically produces power to, you know, everybody within a 40 mile radius on down that dirt road. Well, I got to move in so fast and I forgot to put my shoot down. Well, I was at a perfect height to haul ass out of that staging area, pull a grain cart with a chute that's 40 feet up in the air, or not that far, about 30 feet in the air. Well, I hear this, cause you don't feel it. I hear this big, cause I had my window down. I hear this big old boing. <laughs> Talk about tension, man. It sounded like Star Wars when they shoot those. <laughs> What had happened is that my chute was up. I grabbed that power line and I stretched it as far as it, it, it would stretch. And it, 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 it didn't snap back. It snapped back, but after that rubber band broke. <laughs> so that power line, of course, goes dancing, you know, like a, like a snake on steroids down that, you know, that dirt road, like a snake just up and down. And so... I caught some crap on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I, I haven't told too many people that story, but uh, you know, we're 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 talking here. We're friends now. So you caught some crap from from the guys you're on the job with, but God knows what the people that were relying on that power were thinking. Well, and that's the, that's funny you bring that up because you don't that the power guys they're they're very fast they're very reactive because this is not an uncommon thing during harvest they're prepared it is it's something like a fire you know the fireman he he knows there's you know it's the night of fires or whatever during Fourth of July in the United States so these guys know well it's harvest we're gonna have some power lines that get snapped. <laughs> So they're prepared for it. And most of those farmers out there, they could care less if they don't have electricity for a couple of days. Right. Um, they're living off the grid already pretty much. Good for but, those guys. Yeah. Oh, so man. That, that's one of them. And that, that, that was a good one. And well, there's other stories too. We, we won't leave it at this. There, there, there's, there's more episodes to come because, you know, you, you, you've now resorted because you've got so much knowledge and you've got so much research and you've got so many insights that you, you're doing a weekly newsletter on this now. It's not just like the odd tweet, right? This is well, so where, where can people come and find you? Yeah, that's what I'm going to do as far as the newsletter. I'm going to do a, the Fridays. I'm going to put out a, a lifestyle story saying, hey, our lives have changed right now. We're going to have more restrictions. Let's develop a new lifestyle, a, a new um you know, mindset of our lifestyles. So Friday will be kind of cool, just a lifestyle story or whatever. And then Monday morning, yeah, I'll, I'll put on what we've been doing so far. 
And then Wednesdays, I'll start probably in November. Wednesdays, I'm going to do everything about the Texas beef movement. And that'll be all about what we're doing within the beef. So those three points of contact will consistently start moving forward now. You are bringing the noise and you are bringing it to a community that is so ripe for this message. And you're going to get a lot of people moving behind this. Um, thank you for, for sharing and, uh, you know, and agreeing to come on the show. Uh, we'll, we'll Always. sort another one out. We'll sort another one out before the end of this month. And, uh, okay. we'll yeah, I think into... that'll be time. Cause that's how the beef will start kind of evolving. Cause like I said, JT is going to open up around November 1st. So what we'll do is, uh, we'll just kind of plan on that and I'll, I'll keep moving forward and fast. And I really want to thank you, Daniel, for for one, understanding the issue and being, you know, smart enough to identify it kind of when you read my first article, I think that you are, you know, praised to you in, in so many different ways, because what you, you're, you're the reason I'm getting attention. It all started with you because I, I don't, I don't, I'm not very good at shilling myself out there. I just hope it happens naturally, but you've definitely helped a lot of people. Find. Your, your personal assistant Bubba is uh, is very good. <laughs> That's right, Bubba. Hey, Bubba, how you doing, man? <laughs> the the ultimate know, connector. Yeah, and I, I'm going to challenge all of you other guys out there that have podcasts. You know, it'd be a lot cooler if you got me on your show. Because uh, people are going to start. <laughs> there listening. you go. There's the shill. That's yeah, there brilliant. you go. Well, it's a challenge. Let's go. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. from Texas. Everybody, all you boys down in Austin think you're doing something in Austin. Let's talk about Austin then. How you can lose Austin in a heartbeat if you don't watch it. And so we need to we need to get the awareness out in a very cool city that is becoming, you know, a very good place for Bitcoin. You know, it, it's it's fighting hard to have that awareness that it is the Bitcoin Mecca city. So let's let's bring this food because there's a lot of good foodies and a lot of good nutrition people in Austin, Texas. So that this, means, that means Marty's going to have to step up and, and get you on a TFTC and yeah. uh, safe, safe would be a perfect person to go down the Fiat food rabbit hole. And John Vallis is so into this stuff as well. So I'll reach out to those three and make sure that they are, um, you know, at least they did you. follow me. And I think that was because of you. And I appreciate that. And and I know that they have their own narratives going, but I think that we can all have the same conversation and we can help really grow this. Going back to the very original conversation that we were having today is that this is what we can do as a Bitcoin community. It is, you know, let's talk about some nutrient delivery into the Bitcoin world. And they have a much far wider reacher than 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 my pod. So this this is where we start. This is the seed. Uh, there you go. You know, then, then this is like let's grow together and, and keep this conversation alive. And please, listeners, follow at Modern T Man, retweet, and you know, especially the hashtags like food intelligence. This is going to be this is the whole thing about getting ahead of the narrative. Is there anywhere else that you want to point people towards? Come and sign up to your newsletter. Where, where should they do that? Um, you can put the newsletter into inside the uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. It's initiative.substack.com, I believe. Yep. And so, and if you put that link in there, it'll take me to. It'll take everybody to all the articles. Got it, man. All right. And Thanks so much. All. Yes. And uh, once again, I appreciate it. And just let all uh, let Lauren and your kids know that they're going to get something from Texas for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> we we look forward to it, brother. It's yeah. uh, it's it's a shame we're we're not allowed to enter your country at the moment. Uh, it's um, and I, 
It's shocking. You've got you've got an iron curtain up around. Um, yeah, I mean, Trump wanted to build the wall. Biden just went and did it by uh, putting yeah. vaccine restrictions around the yeah. whole damn country. It's mental. Yes, he did. And uh, that's why we have to change our lifestyles. You know, innovation comes out of prohibition. So let's get busy. Let's get busy. 100%. Yeah. Let's leave it there. That's the best way to leave it. All right. Really appreciate it. And I promised the listeners that we wouldn't chat afterwards. So uh, we, we better close it down. All right, Daniel. All right, brother. Take care. Have a good one. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. You too. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to at Modern T-Man for coming back on the show to discuss these topics. Are you finding yourself getting pissed off listening to everything that he is exposing? Because I certainly do. It drives, it, it, it boils my blood. And I was lucky enough to come across this uh, yeah, about seven years ago in 2014. And I got angry at sugar, really angry at sugar. And I managed to cut it out of my life as much as I possibly could. Uh, with the help of the, uh, the four hour work, no, excuse me, the four hour body by Tim Ferriss, uh, who put me more onto a, a straighter path. And um, tell you guys, you, you, you go down this rabbit hole, you just, it's not going on a diet, it's just changing your diet. And if you can change your diet for the better, the pounds that you've been trying to shift will just, they'll just waste away. So it's definitely worth you looking into this for your own health and for your family's health, of course, as well. Huge thanks to Texas Slim for coming on. We're going to do more of this. I hope you're enjoying it. And please make sure you are going to check out the show sponsors it's Coin Corner, it's Swan Bitcoin, and Relay.ch via DCA. Use Bitten at all of these services, and then make sure you are taking control of your coins. Use ShiftCrypto.ch forward slash Bitten. Get yourself a hardware wallet, Bitcoin only. It is a very good piece of kit. You will get 5% discount of everything in your cart with the code Bitten. Now, as I said at the beginning, it's a PSA, Pleb Service Announcement. Do you want to go to Miami and hang out with Bitcoiners? 6th to 9th of April, 2022. Head over to the website, use the code BITTEN to get a 10% discount on your ticket purchase. I look forward to the next show, guys. Take care.